early church leader James says this, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But turn on the TV, do a quick scan of the latest news, or look at the tendency of your own heart, and it is clear to see that we often act in the exact opposite way. Anger comes easily. We speak quickly and carelessly, and the patience to listen and understand is, at times, hard to find. But the challenge of our faith in Jesus remains. In a world where it seems everyone is tearing each other down, we are called to be builders of God's better world. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. Thanks for being here today. If we have not met, my name is David. I serve as a senior pastor here, and I haven't been here in a few weeks, so it is good to be back. It is good to be home. had a, some time of vacation uh, with the family, but one of the great things about being a pastor is when you're done with vacation, you're excited to go back to work. I mean, that's just one of the perks of my job, I got to tell you. I was uh, at, at Starbucks on Wednesday, and someone came in who, who I know real well, and we were talking for a little bit, and, and then he went... Oh, I don't want to go to work today. And I thought, that's not how I feel. Like, I, that, that was not how I started the day this morning. I was so excited to be here with you. Uh, it is an honor to serve you. And so thank you for, for that perk uh, that I have as a pastor to be able to, to be excited about what I do and to share with you today as we begin this new series called Be a Builder. So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. And I also want to encourage you to find Colossians chapter 3. I'd love for you to bring your Bible each and every week. For me, to come to church and not bring your Bible is like showing up to play baseball without a glove. Like you can still play, but it's just, it's, it's a little bit harder. So I'd love for you to do that. If you didn't bring your Bible with you though, we do have some blue Bibles available for you in the seat pocket in front of you. You can grab that and on the screen here, you'll see the page numbers for Matthew 5 and Colossians 3, where we're going to look uh, here in just a moment in those blue Bibles. If you're here and you don't have a Bible yourself, you're just now beginning your journey uh, with the scriptures, we have these brown Bibles uh, available at the Connecting Point. This is our gift. We'd love to bless you with that uh, again as you begin your journey with the scriptures. Oops, I spilled my water. Let, let me just read you something. Uh, again, I have a great job. This is so amazing. This might not have happened at your work this week, but this is what happened to me this morning, okay? Two little kids came up to me and they, and they, you know, here, here. This is what the letter says. Dear Pastor David, me and my brother had a sale. We sold ice pops and water and all the money we raised, can you please put towards a kid's charity? And they brought me a Ziploc bag filled with $46.50. How cool is that? That's awesome. That is awesome. That's why I love my job. So anyways, Matthew 5 uh, is where we're going to be. You've already heard a little bit about what this series is about in the words of James, where James says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And the idea that often we do that in the reverse order. We, instead of being slow to speak, we're pretty quick with that. We're quick to become angry, and what we're slow at is slow to 
to listen. Now, let me just ask you this, or, or point out something to you, because some of you may wonder, like, how this whole church thing works. So let me give you a little bit of an uh, insider secret here. You may come to church sometimes, and, and you hear what the sermon's going to be about, or what the series is going to be about. You hear kind of the theme, the emphasis, and, and maybe in the back of your mind you think, gee, I wonder if that was like planned that way. I wonder if that's a coincidence. Maybe you hear the theme and you think, wow, when I think about what's going on in our world today, or maybe what's on the news, may, I wonder if he was thinking, well, here, here's what I want you to know. It's never a coincidence, okay? And, and so it, it just may be that many, many months ago, your pastors got together and started thinking about, well, you know, what's going to be happening this fall? There's going to be, you know, this election thing maybe we're paying a little bit of attention to. Maybe we need to be reminded in the midst of a season like that of these words from James, uh, becoming uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, reminding ourselves that as followers of Jesus, we actually have a responsibility. Don't you love that word? We have a responsibility, a calling to be builders of God's better world. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about our calling, our responsibility, the expectation that we have if we have said yes to Jesus, the expectation that Jesus has of us that we will be builders in a world where so many are spending their energy and time tearing down. We want to talk about being builders. So Matthew 5 is where we're going to be. We're going to look at verse 38. Uh, that's where I'm going to begin. But if you're brand new, let me just tell you a few things about, uh, about Matthew 5, where we are in this, uh, in this portion of uh, the gospel of Matthew. There are four gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four perspectives on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In Matthew's gospel, when you get to chapter 5, you get to the beginning of three consecutive chapters of Jesus' teaching teaching, often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. So, since Johnny, Pastor Johnny a few weeks ago did this for you, I'm going to do it as well. Here's your extra credit for the week. Extra credit is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Okay, that's the Sermon on the Mount. That will give you, if you're brand new, that is a great introduction to the teaching of Jesus. If you need to be reminded, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. This is really the heart of, of Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of Matthew. So you can spend about 15 minutes this week. Just read through that. It's a great reminder of who we are called to be. But that's where we are. We're in this extensive teaching session. Uh, Matthew 5, beginning in verse 38, here's what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, oh wait, I forgot to tell you something. This is what you need to know. What I'm going to read to you, I'm going to argue, is the hardest thing that Jesus asks us to do. Okay, so today, today is not like simple day, okay? Today is not like, oh, this is going to be real easy. This is the hardest stuff here, okay? This is the highest calling, the highest expectation that Jesus has of us. So I want you to know that up front, okay? Here it is. You have heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you... And do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow 
from you. So Jesus says, you've heard it said eye for eye, tooth for tooth. In, in other words, this is essentially how the world works. This is how human beings work. We, in relationship to one another, when someone does something to us, what do we naturally want to do in return? We want to do something back to them. So someone says a harmful word to us, what do we want to do? We want to say a harmful word back to them. Someone slaps us on the cheek, we want to slap them on their cheek. Look at any conflict throughout the scope of human history, you find this principle at work. However large the conflict eventually became, it started with someone doing something to another person and that person choosing to retaliate in the same way or often in an even more harmful way. But Jesus says, here's what I'd like you to do if you're one of my followers. If someone does something evil to you, I would like you to respond in the exact opposite way. So, when someone slaps you across the face, say, thank you, can I please have another? If someone says, I would like your shirt, go ahead and say, but I got a coat and other things that you might like as well. You know, how about these other things? If someone forces you to go to a mile, go an extra mile. Now, some of you, you're not brand new to this. So when I started with, you have heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, you knew where this was going, right? You know where this is going. You, you knew this was here in, in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard this before when Jesus says, well, yeah, do this, and, and this is how you respond. And for you, because you're not brand new to it, you're just like, yeah, that's, that's, that's how Jesus calls us to live. But if you're brand new today, you got to be thinking to yourself, this is not the most sound advice you've ever heard in your life, right? I mean, let's be honest. There's, some of you are thinking, this is crazy, why would you want to live that way? That seems like an invitation to be taken advantage of. Someone wants to borrow from you, and so you should naturally get, do not turn away from the ones who borrow. Don't you know about my uncle? I mean, come on. You know, this sounds crazy, right? But here's what I want you to recognize. This isn't the hard part. We're not even there yet. We're not even to the part where Jesus shares the really, really hard Part. So he starts here by saying, when someone does evil to you, when someone does harm for, to you, intentionally or unintentionally, respond in the opposite way. But then look at what he says in verse 43. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That makes sense, right? But listen to verse 44. But I tell you, but I tell you, look at this. I tell you, love, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, how many of you ever tried to pray for someone who you didn't want to pray for? Have you ever tried that? To pray for the good to happen in someone's life when your heart really doesn't want good for them. So notice what Jesus does here. He gives us some instructions on what we are to do. But then he says... You can't just do this out of a sense of obligation to me. But rather, Jesus says, he challenges us to have within us the heart that desires to build others up rather than to tear others down. 
This reminds me of what sometimes happens in our family, in our home. Some of you will not be able to relate to this. I'm sorry about that. Because if you're a parent, uh, your, kids, uh, your, your kids are perfect. I mean, they're great. You're going you're to pick them up from class in a little bit. And they're going to say, Mom, Dad, this is what I learned about following Jesus. I'm going to be a better follower of Jesus this week. Well, we have normal kids in our house. So this is, this is what happens in our house. Um, in our house... Our 12-year-old and our 7-year-old both delight in annoying one another. I mean, that is just, for, for the 7-year-old boy, there is nothing better that could happen in, over the course of a day than to annoy his older sister. I mean, that's just, that's the pinnacle. That's the best thing. If I can annoy my older sister, that's great. So if you would have been in the car with us in that 10-hour that drive to Alabama, to the beach, you would have had so much fun watching this. I mean, just watching the, the, the joy that they each take in, in annoying one another other the joy they get when the other one is in trouble with mom or dad you know I mean they're just so excited about that and so in the course of our life together one of the things that mom and dad often say to one of the other is you need to apologize to your brother or to your sister now is there anything less sincere than the apology of a seven-year-old boy Anything, anything in the world. There's nothing in the world less sincere than that. And so what do we say every once in a while? No, you have to do it again, okay? You can't, I'm sorry. No, you have to say it. You have to, you have to mean it. And so look at what Jesus does here. Jesus says, not only am I challenging you to do the very things that you do not want to do, Jesus not only challenges us to do it, he challenges us, he wants us to mean it. He wants us to mean it. He wants the posture of our hearts, the the condition of our souls to actually desire to will the good for those who may have intentionally or unintentionally cause us harm. Those who may have previously been seen as friends, but because of a circumstance or situation, they have become an adversary or an enemy in our life, that the posture of our heart and our souls would be towards the good. Now turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, one of the early leaders, uh, uh, the leaders in the early church, and Paul is writing to people who are trying to figure this out. Okay, so you just heard this radical teaching of Jesus. He's writing to some of the first people who are actually trying to do this. They're actually trying to live out this life that Jesus calls them to live. They've responded to the invitation. And this is what he says to them. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all of these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So listen to what Paul's saying here. He's saying every single day you get up and you make the decision what you're going to wear. And every single day when you get up and you make that decision, here's what you need to wear. You need to clothe yourself. You need to wrap your life up in compassion 
and kindness and gentleness and humility, grace and forgiveness and the overcoat that surrounds all of those. It's love, love which binds them together in pure unity. This is what it means to live as God's chosen people who are holy and dearly loved, who embody these virtues each and every day. Now, some of you may know that I am a preacher's kid, and, I, you, you, and you may not know this. This is, this is absolutely miraculous. We have now on our staff three pastors who are preacher's kids. Do you understand the miracle? People who were raised in a pastor's family and then willingly said, I want to be a pastor. I mean, that's incredible. And, and let me tell you why, just in case you don't understand the dynamic here. The dynamic here is that for me in my life, what that means is I have never lived without a hypersensitivity to the expectations of the people around me, okay? That means that, that, that when in my childhood, I, 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 you know, coming to church, he was looking at me, okay? And and I knew that whatever I did during church, he was going to have additional time to talk to me after about that, right? Okay, so I knew I always had to behave and, 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 and be good because there was just this sense of expectations. I remember when I was going through the ministry process, and I was joking with Pastor Jim about this, who's also a preacher's kid. Pastor Lauren is the, is the third one. One of the questions that pastors would ask me in the process which I just thought was the dumbest question in the world. Uh, the question was, are you just doing this because your dad is a pastor? And I would think, you're not a preacher's kid. You don't understand. That's the only reason I wouldn't do this, because that, that's, what, that's what it's kind of like. They talk about life in the fishbowl. That's what it means to, to be a preacher's kid. But here's what may be even more surprising to you. Now, in my life, I would say, overall, that was a positive thing. It wasn't a bad thing. I mean, there were moments where it annoyed me particularly when I was a teenager, and I wanted to do my own thing, I wanted to become my own person, but, but overall, this idea that people had expectations of me when I was a kid, that was a good thing in my life. It didn't keep me from doing every dumb thing, I still did some dumb things, I still made mistakes, I still messed things up, but overall, it was a good thing to know that people had expectations of me. I think it's okay to have expectations of people. I think we should have expectations. I think you should have expectations of what your pastors will and will not do. <laughs> you should have expectations of what your pastor will and will not say. You should have past, uh, expectations of how your pastor will or will not behave. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a really, really good thing. But here's what I want you to recognize. I want you to think about this. I want you to know that for me and for Pastor Sharon, for all of our pastors, when we make decisions about how we are going to speak or how we are going to behave or what it is that we are going to do, I want you to know the most significant variable in that is not your expectations of us. They are the expectations we have of ourselves because at some point in our journey, before we said yes to being pastors, we said yes to Jesus. And when we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to living according to his expectations as Lord of our life. 
And so when I think about who I am most accountable to, who I am most, uh, who I must answer to, when I think about the thoughts that enter my mind, the words that leave my mouth, the behaviors of my life, it's Jesus' expectations of me. Now here's what I want you to see. Look at Colossians 3 verse 12 again. It says, therefore, as God's chosen pastors. Actually, no, it doesn't, does it? It says God's chosen people, right? In other words, this is for everybody. This isn't like for the, oh, this is for the super spiritual. Like they, they got to be humble. No, this is the expectation of followers of Jesus. That what would define your life what people would experience in you is compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility and grace and love. That they would see you as someone who is committed out of, their devo- out of your devotion to them to be a builder in their life, to be a builder in, in, in the world, to speak, to act, to think, to do all things from this, this posture that reflects these central virtues. Now, one of the things, maybe you appreciate this about people. I've grown to appreciate this about people. I didn't always appreciate this about some of my close friends in my life, but I have grown to appreciate that I have close friends in my life who can be honest with me. I hope you do too. (laughs) People who can be honest with me, people who can be very direct with me. Because I know that if they are, it comes from love. It comes from their commitment to be a builder in my life. It comes from their desire to help me live up to the ideals they know I have for myself. The standards that I have have for myself. They can speak into my life in a way that is at times uncomfortable. Because I know they love me. And I know that they want what's best for me. And so because I appreciate that in my own life, can I be honest? Is that okay? I'm going to meddle just a little bit, okay? So it, it may be a little uncomfortable, maybe a little awkward, but it's okay. Uh, we'll be all right. Let me, let me just be a little honest and, and direct with you because I want to I point out to all of us a tendency that we share. This is something that you do, but it's also something that I do. We all do this. And it's important for us to name it if we're really going to live into this vision of being builders. Here's the tendency that we all have. We all have this tendency to expect too much from others and too little from from ourselves. We expect too much from others and too little from ourselves. In other words, this is how you might think of it. We are too quick to condemn in others what we so easily excuse in ourselves. We are too quick to to condemn in others what we want to excuse in ourselves. When that other person passes us on the highway, driving like crazy, they're crazy. What are they doing? But when we do it, we're late. (laughs) We have a very good reason. We expect too much from others and too little from ourselves. You might think of it this way. That you, as a follower of Jesus, you should have the same expectations for yourself that you have of me. That's what it looks like. Well, my pastor wouldn't say that. Well, then you shouldn't say it. My pastor wouldn't act like that. Well, then you shouldn't act like that. 
Because we're in this together, friends. We've, we've both said yes to Jesus. And this is the expectation. This is the responsibility that we bear. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 4. This is, this is boy, this will just smack you right between the eyes. Do not let any, and if you look this up later, you might just underline any, like four times. Do not, this is Ephesians 4, 29. You can just write that down, look it up later. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Does anyone else just need to pray and ask for forgiveness right now? <laughs> for some, maybe you said this morning, none, don't let any unwholesome, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This is, this is the calling. This is the calling that we have to be builders, to be builders of God's better world. Let me, let me close with this. Let me just give you a few ideas of ways that you can live into this, of ways that you can practice certain things that might redirect you back to this calling that we have to be builders of others. Here's, here's the first idea. First idea is to change your diet, okay? Uh, the idea is to not change what you physically eat, but to change what your heart and your soul, your mind is feeding on. Uh, Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what you put into your life will eventually come out of your life. Uh, so some of us, we, we, we have to be honest and say, we take in garbage and we are surprised when garbage comes out. And so what that may mean, I know this sounds crazy, but you might need to not watch that, that station anymore. <laughs> you, you, might need, you might need to pick a different radio station while you're in the car. You might need to change what you do with the first hour of your day. Or you may even, this is really tough, but it's, it's where some of us sometimes find ourselves. You may even have a relationship in your life that is just toxic. And you have to take steps to disassociate from that because what you are feeding on in that is, is what's coming out of your life and you don't want it to look that way. You have to feed on the truth. You have to feed on what is good. You have to feed on what is right if you want those things to come out of your life. Here's how Paul says it in, in Philippians uh, chapter 4. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, here's Paul's advice. Think about those things. Think about those things meditate on those things. Now, meditate. What does it mean to meditate? If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. The only difference between meditating in this regard and worrying is you're thinking about good things rather than bad things. You're thinking about whole things and pure things and good things and true things rather than all the things that might go wrong in your life. That's what it means. It means to, to change what your heart and your mind is feeding on. What are you feeding on right now? What is your heart taking in? Is it fear? Is it worry? Have you bought into the lie that if your life doesn't go exactly as you want it to go, if things don't happen exactly as you want them to do, if the person you really want to get elected doesn't get elected, that, that life is just going to fall apart? Are you living according to that fear? Because what the scriptures say is this, it does, none of that stuff matters as long as Jesus is Lord. 
Salvation is found in no one else. Freedom is found in no one else. Jesus is Lord. And as long as that is true, everything's going to be okay. What's the diet of your life? What's your heart and your soul feeding on? And, and here is an active way that you can do this same thing. The active way is to spend time counting your blessings. Rather than just receiving them and expecting them to actually spend time intentionally in your life counting your blessings, naming those before God, claiming them in your life, recognizing that those blessings are not things that we can just expect and we say, well, geez, thanks God, you did what you're supposed to do, but rather things that we can name and express to God our deep appreciation for their presence in our life. Maybe there's a person in your life that you need to claim, you need to name as a blessing in your life. Maybe there's a, there's a, a situation or circumstance you can remember where something happened, you recognize that blessing in your life. Or maybe you're in the middle where you can't see anything good, but you can say, Lord, I am trusting what your word tells me that you have not abandoned me. And so even though I can't see it, I claim that as a blessing in my life, that you are still here, you are still present, you have not abandoned me, and you are working for my good. I trust that you are working for my good. You spend time thinking about what is good and true and noble and praiseworthy and excellent rather than filling your heart and your mind with, with garbage that only leads to those same things coming out. As we close and we, we uh, prepare to receive communion, what I want to invite you to think about, I want you to think about your blessings, but I want you to think about maybe you are lucky enough to have a person in your life who's a builder. Maybe you know somebody like that, and, and whenever you see them, you just get excited like you just want to spend time with it. You can't wait to hear what they're going to share with you because you just know that they're, they're builders of people. Do you know someone like that? Man, those people are awesome. They're contagious. They're wonderful. What if you might embody that? How would your own life change? How would the lives of those around you change if you could live into this calling even more fully to be a builder of others? I wonder if I just dream about that a little bit as you also name, name those blessings in your life as we come to receive our greatest blessing, the gift of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we confess to you that this stuff is hard. We confess to you, Lord, that often because of the fear and worry that we feel in our lives, we respond in ways where we know we are tearing down rather than building up. And Lord, we confess to you, we acknowledge that sometimes we do that because it's the only way we know how to protect ourselves. We're scared of the vulnerability that you ask of us. And so we pray, Lord, that our confidence, our trust, and our faith would be found in you and not in our desires or our needs. And that out of that sense of confidence and trust Lord you would continue to fill us with grace and love and mercy and compassion all these all these virtues that define your heart and your life Lord may those things may we feed on them 
And may we be people, Lord, who live into our calling and responsibility to share those with others. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.